0: God of the sparrow, God of the whale, God of the swirling stars, how does the creature say all? How does the creature say
1: The grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also
2: with you.
1: Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church and especially those of who are visiting with us today. On each one of the pews there is a friendship pad near the center aisle. And we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know you're here with us, whether you're a visitor or whether you're regularly here. Our announcement sheet is inside of the bulletin. You'll notice at 10 o'clock today over in Tankersley Hall, I'm going to be leading a new members class. That's a chance to ask questions about our church, find out more about us, and if you decide that you would like to become a member of our congregation, you can complete that process within that hour. So we'd love to have you be there if you can be there. Also, you'll see that Saturday night we have a harvest festival and chili cook-off that's a family fun night. All ages are very welcome to be there, and it looks to me like you don't have to sign up. Is that right, Steve? Man, just show up and they will have enough food. And fun. it looks like you can even get your face painted. So, you know, get excited about that one. Um, also our third Friday group, um, November 18th, welcomes you to join them for a potluck and for Opera Cadabra, led by Patrick Bell. He is quite the entertainer. Many of you have probably heard him and seen him around in the community. And he is a very popular uh, act, I understand. So invite your friends. It will be quite a night. You do need to sign up ahead so we set enough spots for everybody. There will be a congregational meeting uh, next Sunday right at the beginning of the 10 o'clock service to elect our officers for the coming term. And also our grief team is leading a grief at the holidays class. That will be a week from tomorrow, on Monday the 14th. If you have had a loss within the last year or so, It's especially helpful leading into the holidays to think about how they will intentionally be different and how you will address the holidays because of the person that you are missing. Uh, Also, uh, we are donating money this morning uh, out at the outreach cart for meals for the Pendleton military families for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. We have two dedications for the flowers this morning. Um, One of them is an anniversary, and that is for Barry and Eric Piper. It is their 60th anniversary, so we congratulate them. They're usually in second service. And also this week on Wednesday morning, we will be celebrating the life of Don Sheldon at 10 o'clock. We hope that you'll join us there. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
3: God of creation love, God in whom we live and move and have our very being, God who is the source of all life and light. We turn our hearts to you this morning. You have come to us, incarnate in Jesus Christ, your Son. You have poured out your Holy Spirit upon us, your people, the Church. We ask now that as we sing your praises, as we read your word, as we proclaim the Gospel, may your presence and power be be very much felt and witnessed to within our hearts as we seek to glorify you we turn to you because you have first turned to us in Jesus name we pray amen
1: join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find in your bulletin praise the lord praise the lord o my soul I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Happier are those those whose whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who who made heaven and earth, the sea and all all that that is in in them, who who keeps faith forever, who who executes justice for the oppressed, who who gives food food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord Lord lifts lifts up up those who who are bowed down. The Lord loves loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord Lord will will reign forever, forever. your Your God, God, O Zion, for all all generations. generations. Praise the Lord. And so let us stand and praise him together.
2: May Jesus Christ be praised.
0: When morning gilds the sky. Amen.
2: Jesus Christ be praised to the ends of the earth, church. From the
0: ends of the earth, from the ends of the earth, from the depths of the sea, from the of the sea, from the heights of the heavens, from the of the heavens your name be, be praise, praise, Lord. From the hearts of the weak. From the hearts of the weak. From the showers i oh.
2: let us be seated as we continue in worship
4: please join me for our call to confession with what shall i come before the lord and by myself before god on high
2: shall, shall I, I come, come before, before him with, with burnt, burnt offerings,
4: offerings with, with calves, calves a, year a year old will, the, will lord the lord be pleased with thousands of rams
2: sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O Lord, you will not despise, but you will hold and heal it. silence those places in our hearts that need to be renewed and restored hear us as we come to you in this silent time
4: amen wash yourselves make yourselves clean remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes cease to do evil learn to do good seek justice Rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. In Jesus Christ, we are set free from sin so that we might live for righteousness. Thanks be to God. Amen.
3: I invite you to open your Bible to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel comes right after Ezekiel in the Old Testament. Daniel was considered one of the major prophets of the Old Testament story. The king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, had had another dream, and he did not understand what the dream meant. And so he asked his wise men to bring interpretation, they could not do that, finally he invited Daniel, our Belteshazzar, and when Daniel understood what the dream meant, his spirit was deeply distressed and it terrified him. And any of us who read this story and listen to it are likely to be distressed and terrified ourselves. It is one of the famous stories of the Old Testament, but nevertheless, its truthfulness is powerful. Daniel chapter 4, then, verse 19. Then Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar, was severely distressed for a while. His thoughts terrified him. The king said, "Belshazzar, do not let the dream or the interpretation terrify you. Belshazzar answered, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew great and strong, so that its top reached to heaven and was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and which provided food for all, under which animals of the field lived, and in whose branches the birds of the air had nest, it is you, O King. You have grown great and strong. Your greatness has increased and reaches to heaven, and your sovereignty to the ends of the earth. And whereas the king saw a holy watcher coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the ground with a band of iron and bronze in the grass of the field, and let him be bathed with the dew of heaven, and let his lot be with the animals of the field until seven times pass over him, this is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High that has come upon my lord the king." You shall be driven away from human society, and your dwelling shall be with the wild animals. You shall be made to eat grass like oxen. You shall be bathed with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you until you have learned that the Most High has sovereignty over the kingdom of mortals and gives it to whom he will. As it was commanded to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be reestablished for you from the time that you learn that heaven is sovereign. Therefore, O King, may my counsel be acceptable to you. Atone for your sins with righteousness and your iniquities with mercy to the oppressed so that your prosperity may be prolonged. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king said, Is this not magnificent Babylon, which I have built as a royal capital by my mighty power and my glorious majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, the kingdom has departed from you. You shall be driven away from human society, and your dwelling shall be with the animals of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like oxen and seven times shall pass over you until you have learned that the Most High has sovereignty over the kingdom of mortals and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the sentence was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven away from human society, ate grass like oxen, and his body was bathed with the dew of heaven until his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, And his nails became like bird's claws. And when that period was over, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. I blessed the Most High and praised and honored the one who lives forever. For his sovereignty is an everlasting sovereignty, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does what he wills with the host of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can stay his hand or say to him, what are you doing at that time, my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. My counselors and my lords sought me out. I was reestablished over my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, King Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are truth. And his ways are justice. And he is able to bring low those who walk in pride. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. William Blake was one of the late uh, 18th century British poets who wrote many poems. And if you haven't read William Blake, you need to go and read William Blake. Some of it's very difficult to understand, but it's really worth reading. But not only was he as a poet, he was also an artist. And one of the things that Blake did was that he drew biblical characters in their greatness as well as in their humiliation, in their troubles. And so it was with the story of King Nebuchadnezzar who is pictured on the front cover of our bulletin this morning in a very awkward position, looking like an animal, walking around the fields, eating the grass like oxen, with long hair like eagle's feathers, with claws like bird's claws, And if you look directly into his face, what you see is a profound emptiness. Reason had fled him. He now thought of himself as an animal. Whereas at one time, He had walked on the walls of his palace and seen the magnificent city that he had built by his own power for the sake of his own majesty. Now he crawls on the ground like an animal, having lost his humanity, primarily because he forgot who the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth is. What this passage of Scripture celebrates, and indeed it does celebrate it, the good news of the gospel is the same gospel that was announced in Luke chapter 1 when Mary sang her magnificat when she heard the revelation from God and had a special calling to be God's servant, to be the mother of the Messiah, she sang about the power of God and the majesty of God to bring the high and the mighty down. To feed the hungry with good things, to send the rich away empty. And in singing that song, which was originally Hannah's song, He's saying exactly the message that we have in Daniel chapter 4. And so Nebuchadnezzar would be an animal in his own mind, in his own appearance, until he learned what he needed to learn and what we all need to learn. And the first thing that he needed to learn was that there is one most high God who is sovereign over the kingdoms of mortals. And that he gives sovereignty as a gift in his own way, in his own time. And those who forget that, Who think that they are the be all and the end all of all reality, who celebrate their own greatness and walk in their own ways in the spiritual blindness of their hearts, are those who over time find themselves brought low. You name the king, you name the kingdom. From Egypt, to Assyria, to the Persians, to the Babylonians, to the Greeks, to the Romans, into political realities in our own history that we know about, Germany and Russia. The list goes on and on of kingdoms that have proclaimed their own greatness and totalitarian dictators who have exalted themselves, whose relics now lie in the sands to be trashed or to be taken into some museum someplace else. The Bible teaches that history is the judgment of God. God. And that fact in itself ought to be startling. In these passages, we learn what we need to learn about, that there is one sovereign God who gives sovereignty as he chooses, who in his providence directs and guides history, not in a deterministic way, but as a God who is sovereign, who knows the beginning from the end, who is involved in every detail of our life and of human history. A God that the psalmists celebrate, the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaims His greatness, God's greatness, His majesty. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And everything that came into being came into being through this Word. God spoke, and everything happened. The sovereign Word of God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, full of grace and truth. And this God who created everything is the God who sustains this creation. We believe that that we do not hold creation together even though we've been given the work of God in seeking to heal it and to lift it up in such a way that it is made whole. God is sovereign. And every human being and every ruler on the face of the earth, whatever time or place, needs to learn nothing more than who is God. But secondly, we must all learn that sovereignty is given to nations and to persons as a stewardship responsibility. The gifts of God are given not just to bless us, but to bless others. And this is exactly what Nebuchadnezzar was in the process of learning. This message came to him as a call for him to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with his God. This came as a call for humility on the part of the king. Sovereignty is entrusted to us and given to us in so many beautiful ways. We as Americans, we have been highly suspicious of sovereign political power, haven't we? The founders of this country specifically rejected having a king because they knew that kings lose their way and kings oftentimes abuse their power. And so we wrote into the Constitution of the United States, an executive, a legislative, a judicial branch of the national government so that the powers could be checked and balanced. And then we proclaimed, and the founders were very clear about this, we proclaimed the people as the sovereign. And the problem came was that our leaders became just like us who elected them. And so we decided that we would limit their terms. And when we got tired of them, we would fire them. And so American history has gone along and we've had some great presidents and we've had some very poor ones, depending on your perspective. And so I believe that this word in Scripture is a word to the sovereigns of America, the people. Who are called to understand that we are called to a way of life, of building the kingdom of God into the character of a nation. Not just into the leaders. It's not just leaders' responsibility. But it's the responsibility of the people. And we dare not deny that. And this election season, we need to renew our understanding of what this is about, that all sovereignty belongs to God. He gives it to whomever he chooses, and we decided to give it to ourselves. And that implies a major responsibility for which we are held accountable in how we live our lives, how we treat one another, who we vote for, and the whole thing. And I hope you hear this loud and clear this morning. I'm not endorsing any political candidate, nor am I telling you how to vote this Tuesday. (laughs) Let's be clear. These texts call us to read the message honestly and with a sense of humility and humor. Because in the midst of our struggles as a nation in this political season, uh, there's much to laugh at and there's much to grieve about. And what we need more than anything else is to be on our knees in prayer, that God's will be done. We have a realization that we as a people are a work in progress. And we will never be perfect this side of the realized kingdom of God. What Nebuchadnezzar needed to learn and what we all need to learn is that the call and the gift of sovereignty is given to us to shape and form our lives and to bring us to that moment of truth of understanding that God is good that God is gracious and that God does not want to bring his judgment upon anyone but desires everyone to repent of their sins and to come to God not easy to talk about the need for repentance But really, it's an invitation for us to assert our human free will and to be honest with ourselves and deal with reality and turn away from our sins. Do we believe that it's possible for sinners to turn around and to seek God and the ways of God? Jonah knew all about that when he was sent to evil city of Nineveh, that sinful Gentile city, and it's the last place in the world that he wanted to be because he knew that if he went there and proclaimed repentance to that wicked city, that they might choose to repent, and sure enough, they did. The king sat in ashes and lamented the sins of the city of Nineveh. And the people joined in with him and they prayed to the heavens and God forgave their sin and Jonah pouted outside the city. I wanted my enemies to get it in the neck. Why are you so unhappy, Jonah? You're concerned about this plant that grew up in one day's time and now is wilted. Should not I, the sovereign lord of heaven and earth, have compassion for a world that is lost, for sinners that need to be redeemed? That's the gospel. Part of me would just as soon not see my enemies get better. It's all of us we carry that sense that need of for revenge and seeing our enemies get it. I can identify with Jonah. Nebuchadnezzar came to realize that he was being offered the opportunity to live. It was a dangerous moment for Daniel. His life was on the line. How could he speak truth to power in the way that he was doing without laying his life on the line, maybe losing his life? The king had to comfort him. Don't be distressed. Don't be terrified by the dream. Daniel gained courage to tell him what the dream meant or what was going to happen to him. And so for seven years, Nebuchadnezzar crawled around on his hands and his knees. And finally one day he came to himself And he looked up to heavens and he realized what had happened to him. He repented. He turned to God. He received his life back. He was restored. And that's good news. When King David was confronted by Nathan the prophet about his Adulterous affair with Bathsheba and the killing of her husband to cover it up. I mean, this was the cover of the Jerusalem times when that happened. (laughs) Nathan the prophet went in and confronted him by telling him a story that simply opened the king up. And the king, rather than killing Nathan, he repented. And he was forgiven his family suffered the wreckage of that unfaithfulness for the rest of his life. John the Baptist, when he confronted King Herod Antipas about his immorality with his brother's wife, laid his life on the line, and indeed lost his head in the process and that's what humanity oftentimes does. what Israel did with its kings and prophets. So often prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel came along and they spoke truth to power and they ended up in prison. I don't know about you, but I have been absorbing the toxicity of this political season. And it's been eaten away at my soul. Talking with my spiritual director about it, as I do once a month about a whole bunch of things, lamenting about what's happening in our political life and our economic life and the life of the church, And a whole bunch of things. And he said, Jerry, I want you to do something. You need to get free of that obsession and that constant sort of processing about what's going on in the world. He could have said, Stop reading Facebook. Stop watching the news. Don't read the newspapers. But I haven't been able to come that far. He said, I want you to write a letter to that person who's so irritating and that you can't let go of. And I want you to say exactly what you feel and what you think and where you're hurting. I want you to use whatever vocabulary you need to use. We talked for a while, and he says, I want you to do it now. I want you to take 10 minutes. And I want you to write this letter, and I want you to seal it, and I want you to write confidential on it, and I want you to mail it to me. He says, I'm not going to read it. Nobody else is going to read it. just this is between you and God. And so I did so. I'm not exactly sure what the results are. But it certainly objectified and set me free in a way that I very much needed. If you want to send me some letters, Mark Confidential, I promise you I won't read them. But I suspect every one of us is carrying burdens deep in our hearts and minds that we need to let go of. And it's related to the toxicity of the environment in which we live. And so if you can't hear Daniel, and if you don't want to listen to Jerry, let me give you a voice that maybe you can hear. Let me give you the voice of President Abraham Lincoln, who wrote the second inaugural address that he delivered in March 1865, shortly before he was assassinated, just at the end of the Civil War, in which 750,000 of our fellow citizens were killed, and the whole southern part of the country was destroyed. And the animosities and the polarization and the hurt between in families and in churches. One wondered at that point if this nation had any future. And we may be wondering the same thing now. After listening to some of the things that we have heard. Just the second inaugural was... Just over 700 words. Lincoln thought it was the greatest speech he ever did. Frederick Douglass, the former slave, he said it read and sounded more like a sermon than it did a document of state. It's it's engraved on the wall of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., Don't miss it, along with the Gettysburg Address. I think President Lincoln is still speaking to us today. This is just a portion of it. He said both sides of the war read the same Bible, pray to the same God, and each invokes his aid against the other." The prayers of both could not be answered. That of neither has been answered fully. The Almighty has his own purposes. If we shall suppose that American slavery is one of those offenses, which in the providence of God must needs come, but which having continued through his appointed time he now wills to remove and that he gives to both north and south this terrible war as the woe due to those by whom the offense came shall we discern therein any departure from those divine attributes which the believers in the living God always ascribe to him Lincoln had been listening to the pastor of the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church in D.C., Pastor Curley, who preached on the providence of God and making the point that it was not fatalism or some form of determinism, but a mysterious reality that God is sovereign and in control of all and preserves human free will at the same time. And so the president said, with malice toward none, with charity for all, With firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and a lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations we need to learn what the president learned and so beautifully articulated as we go to the polls this coming Tuesday. So my final exhortation is, vote. However you vote. Vote. As a part of faithful citizenship, as a part of our humble service to the nation, in this needy time pray with me merciful God you teach us so much from your word there are lessons not just in morality but in what it means to walk humbly with you to be your children to be filled up with your Holy Spirit to give to to others what we have received to do for others what we've discovered we cannot do for ourselves, but to learn to love one another and to build a better world to the glory of your kingdom. This we ask in your name. Amen.
0: God of justice,
2: Savior to all, came to rescue the weakened chose to serve.
0: Us up and send us Fill us up and send us out. Fill us up and send us out. Fill us up and send us. Out. Just singing, move us into action, we must go, we
5: must go. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we've come to you this morning to praise you and to honor you. We've come to seek your blessing and your guidance in these challenging times in our nation. You have given us this good land in which to live, to work, to grow, to nurture our common goals of fairness and equality and justice. Bless us, we pray, as we work together. Save us from violence, from discord, from pride and arrogance, which were the downfall of King Nebuchadnezzar. Help us to be good citizens, to respect neighbors whose views may differ from ours, so that without partisan anger, we may work out issues that divide us and elect leaders to serve the common welfare. And we ask you, Lord, to bless your church this day and all the days of struggle that it has upon the earth, increase its courage and its strength and its faith and increase our courage and strength and faith. Guide the church's mission of love and forgiveness and grace to all the peoples of the earth. And may we remember that we have been richly blessed in order that we might be a blessing to others, and that to whom much has been given, much is to be required. What a wonderful country it is in which we live bless Lord God all that we offer unto you our time our talents our treasure all of which have come from your hand through Jesus Christ our Lord who taught us to pray together saying our Father who art in heaven
3: heaven, hallowed be thy name
5: thy kingdom kingdom come. come
3: In life and in death, we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Amen.